This is Packers Now. Kyle Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Place for all your Packers news. Lost it over the left side into the end zone. Intercepted! Adrian Get the latest updates on the green and gold. Snap to Aaron Rodgers. Sets, fires, right side. Got Jordan Kelly at the 30. Touchdown! It's always Packers season at Packers Now. Right here, right now. I am your host, Ben Gurkowski. You are listening to Packers Now. Thanks for being here today. And one of the things I want to jump into today is this Packers defense, especially the rest of this front seven. Last week, we did a preview on our interior defensive line prospects that I'm very interested in. Um, Perion Winfrey, kind of value-wise, came out on top there as that end of second round type of player. And today, I want to jump into the rest of this front seven because the thing that made this Packers team the favorite in the playoffs in 2021 was how effective their defense was. Okay, and we saw the main reason for why this defense held the 49ers to honestly just three true offensive points in that game if you look back at it and you just look back at the special teams errors that really gave the 49ers other points in this game, in that game, in that loss for the Packers. But the main reason the Packers were so effective was the group of edge rushers the Packers could rely on in that game. That was the game that both Zadarius Smith and Whitney Merciless returned from injury, and these two guys created this group of edge rushers that was impossible to stop for the 49ers because none of our four pass rushers ever got tired because we could rotate them in and out so much without seeing a huge decline in production. Newly promoted outside linebackers coach told media last Wednesday for the Packers that they want to be four deep on the edge again this season. But right now, I truly don't think we have more than two real guys that we can rely on. The Packers have Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, obviously. But beyond those two, there isn't much promise with the next man up being Jonathan Garvin. I think the Packers have to be ready to find two more edge rushers they can rely on to play quality snaps to ensure Gary and Smith can play to the best of their ability and don't get overworked. I think the hope would be that one of these guys that we draft could take over for Preston Smith in two to three years, similar to how Rashawn Gary did, uh, and took over for Zedaria Smith in 2021. Now, let's look and see where the value is in the upcoming draft for the edge rusher position. Um knowing where the Packers are selecting. So for me, players we aren't going to talk about because they're just undraftable to me because they're being valued way higher than the Packers' first pick at 22 are guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Kavion Thibodeau, uh, Jermaine Johnson, Trevon Walker. All of them are great talents. I believe Hutchinson, Thibodeau should be top two picks of this draft, while Jermaine Johnson, Trevon Walker, Trevon Walker should be picks... uh, probably in the late teens of this draft, but right now these two guys are actually being valued as even top 10, even top five picks. And I would not pick either of those two guys that's high, that high, that's for sure. I want to start with my tier one group of players after those four guys who I think would be worth taking at pick 22. And that list is one guy only, and that's George Karloftis out of Purdue. So Karloftis is an easy, obvious first round talent. But for some reason, he's kind of being forgotten as one of these top edge rushers in the class because there's nothing that makes him stand out like the rest of these guys do. Even though he's great at so much, 
Uh, he's not elite at anything. He's one of the younger players in the draft, though. He just turned 21 years old, which I love. Age is so important. In this draft specifically, you're going to see a lot of older prospects, and Karloftis is one of the younger guys. So something to really take into account because some of these guys are performing at the age of 24 this last season, or late 23, and Karloftis performed this last season at 20, okay? An entirely different ball game that he would be able to perform at such a high level. He had one of the best edge rushers in college football last season, 90.6 pass rush grade, 54 pressures, and that was at 20. But at 18 years old, his true freshman season, he had even more pressures with 55, which is insane. Karloftis, 6'4", 266. The things that make him special are his burst, 87th percentile, and his lower body strength. He can bull rush almost anybody and get pressure and push the pocket so quickly. Karloftis can line up either on the edge or even as a 3-4 defensive end on obvious passing downs. So because of that, the Packers could be able to have these three guys all on the field on those obvious passing downs with Karloftis on the interior or probably even Rashawn Gary on the interior because of their size. So Honestly, I think Karloftis is a guy who two years from now, the Packers would be able to move on from Preston Smith or cut Preston Smith because of his age. Um, I don't think he's going to be as good as he was this last year in two years, to be honest. And I think at that point, Karloftis would easily be ready to take over as the number one guy in our defense behind Rashawn Gary, having two elite edge rushers for the Packers. And the Packers would be able to get Karloftis by staying put at pick 22. So it's going to be hard for the Packers, I think, not to draft him if he's available then. Now, my tier two group of guys. And this is a pretty large group of players, but these are guys who would be available in round two. And the big thing here to notice is there are a lot of guys on this list, a lot of guys. And so that's important to realize because the value of this draft is going to be in round two for the Packers at finding a dresser. And I know the Packers in the past have not drafted an edge rusher very often in rounds two they want to do it really late or really early round one type of guys okay they don't do this on day two historically yet i think this is a very unique draft where there's actual talent in the second round which is not very uh, not very often does this happen whether there's this much talent in round two so with my tier two group of guys, it starts with Arnold Abiketti out of Penn State. Abiketti has back-to-back elite seasons of play. At the Combine, we saw why with his 71st percentile arm length. And then most importantly, the 93rd percentile burst score and 91st percentile agility score. This is like, hey, how fast can he get off the line of scrimmage? Okay, explode. That's huge as a net rusher. Another thing is agility. How, how much can he bend, change direction really quickly? The one thing I'm not a huge fan of, though, is Epichetti is already 23 years old. He's just 250 pounds as well. So he's a little lighter and he's a little old. Okay. And so not the greatest because of that. Uh, next is Drake Jackson out of USC. Now, what makes Jackson special is his age. Drake Jackson literally just turned 21. So almost two years younger than Epichetti. He's at 79th percentile arm length. On tape, you see a true edge rusher has serious bend to get around the edge very quickly. This guy's still growing into his body. He most recently played at 257, but as pro day, he got all the way up to 273, added some seriously good weight, but still had insane agility numbers, some of the best in the class at his size. So to me, Drake Jackson may need more of a year to develop probably, 
he won't have the same Im- year one impact that maybe Arnold Abiketti could have, but easily, I think, will be more impactful in year two. And I truly believe this guy could be elite by year three of his NFL career. And I think because of that, I would rather have Drake Jackson, especially considering how much this kid is still growing. Just the fact that he dominated at such a young age. These are huge, huge things to notice. Drake Jackson is probably the guy I'm circling the most in this round two area. Next is David Ajabo out of Michigan. He should have been a for sure top 20 pick. He tore his Achilles, though, at his pro day. So he's going to take four to 12 months to recover. He could miss his whole first season. And this is also a guy who is going to be a developmental project at Ed Rusher anyways. He only played 26 snaps before the 2021 season. And then 2021, played the full season and played very, very well. Okay. In just that one season, he had 86.9 pass rush grade, even better on true pass rush opportunities, 89.3 grade. He has balance, bend, explosiveness to be special in the NFL as a pass rusher. We saw that at the combine, 94th percentile, 40 great explosive numbers. Um, And his bend is obvious on tape. He didn't test the three cone, but he's obviously a really good pass rusher on tape. Not to mention this guy's played football for less than five years. So he could really develop and become something really special. And I think if Ajabo sits out next season, he could come right back and be a really good player. But the issue with drafting David Ajabo is when I can draft a guy like Jake Jackson, I think I'd rather have Drake Jackson because Drake Jackson is still developing because of his young age. Ojabo is still developing because of his lack of playing time, even though he's an athletic freak. Okay. But Jackson's going to develop this year. Ojabo's not going to develop. He's just trying to get healthy. Next year is going to develop. Drake Jackson's already going to be developed one year. And then you're talking about a guy who you only have four years on contract for. He's missing one year. He has to develop another year. But as a second-round player, yeah, so I, it's, it's tough. I think I'd rather have three really good years of Drake Jackson than two really good years of Ojabo. That just makes sense. And I think because of Drake Jackson's age, he is still a better option than Ojabo. Uh, Boye Mafe out of Minnesota is next. And Mafe, he didn't have the greatest production on the field in college, but he was the highest graded pass rusher over the course of the senior bowl week. He was dominant there, and that's a big deal. In college, he was solid every year at Minnesota, 6'4, 261. He had a 4'5, 340 yard dash, super fast, great explosiveness. He has what it takes to be a special pass rusher. And Lance Zerline actually compared him to Rashawn Gary. Raw but it has the athletic tools to be special. Okay, and so I think Mafe is a could be a really good pass rusher. It does concern me that he didn't do it as well in college as I would have hoped, and he's another guy who's going to take time to develop, and that that is a little concerning. You know, it's not that he's he probably will be great in a couple of years, but again, the guy I'm going to take in this round is Drake Jackson over Boye Mafe. Jackson is younger. I think he will develop faster. He's shown more already. Now, next, Josh Pascal at Kentucky. Uh, Pascal was used all over the defensive line because of his unique size, 6'3", 270. So he's right in that in-between tweener type of size, but he does have insane power, explosiveness, which leads him to actually have one of the best get-offs in the class. Okay, his power explosiveness is one of the fastest off the line of scrimmage. He's not overly tall, um, but it actually does show to help him on tape. He's that type of player that gets lower than the offensive line and wins from there. One of the best run defenders in the entire draft class as well. Versatile enough to move inside on third downs to rush from the interior rather from than from the edge. So I'm curious where Pascal is going to be 
ranked among different NFL boards. Okay, I like him a lot. I think some might rank him as more of a third-round player. Um, and we might see a fall from him because he's in this tweener size. He's a run def- really good run defender. He hasn't shown the proof as being a dominant pass rusher. And so I think because of that, he could fall in a round three if that was the case. This definitely guy I trade up for in round through three. But I think uh, is unique. He does have promise. If you draft him at the end of round two, wouldn't be mad about that either. Last guy I'll mention as this round two tier two group of prospects is Kingsley A. Nagbury out of South Carolina. Um, he has the ideal arm length, height, size, okay, 35 inch arms, 96 percentile, ideal height, 6'4, 258, highest pass rush grade in the country last season. And on top of that, he had solid agility scores and then tested in the 98th percentile for his burst, his get off the line of scrimmage, okay? He's going to have a great career as a pass rusher. He had the second highest win rate of players with over 250 plus pass rush attempts in 2021. He may struggle in run defense in, his, in the NFL. That's never been a strong suit for him, but I love the rest about this guy. And he's not even that old. He just turned. He's just barely over 22 years old. So I think the big point about this tier two is there's a lot of great players here. And the thing is, ideally, I know it's difficult. You want to be patient in the second round and let one of these guys fall to you. I don't think all these guys are going to get drafted before the Packers 53 or even pick 58 pick. And because of that, you need to be patient. You need to wait it out because one of these guys has the opportunity to fall to you. And if you can grab them, it could be just a steal because I think this edge rusher group is deeper than we think. Next is my tier three. These are guys who I would draft in probably the fourth round. There's not really a there's not a really a perfect right answer for the third round group of guys. I don't think personally, based off the overall consensus board. Um, and so I think the value would be to grab one of these guys in the fourth round, though. Um, Dominique Robinson is the first guy I'll mention. He is unique because he's only paid edge rusher a couple years. Okay, he played QB in high school, came to college to become a receiver, then transitioned to defensive end just two seasons ago in 2020. 6'5", 253, another member of Bruce Feldman's freak list, okay? But he had a 4.71 40-yard dash, 4.31 short shuttle, which is insanely fast, 41-inch vertical, 120-inch broad, over 33-inch arms. This guy's only played the positions for a few years, so he hasn't had this elite season by any means, but he's a guy you take a flyer on the fourth round because of this athleticism. He needs time to develop, but it's a fourth-round pick. I'm not expecting this guy to come in from day one and be elite or anything. I can give this guy two years to develop, and not have high expectations for him because I have Rashawn Gary, because I have Preston Smith. And with a fourth round pick, this guy has the potential to develop into something special. Now, next guy, Alex Wright out of UAB. Earlier in the draft process, we had him in one of our mock drafts late in the draft. And I think right now he's going to be skyrocketing up draft boards because people are figuring this guy out. 6'5", 270. He has the size, length, 70th percentile arm length to have an impact on the edge. He's had elite 90.1 pass rush grade this last season in just his third season playing at UAB. And because of his size, he is a solid run defender as well. Wright may not develop into a starter in the NFL, but he could. And I think would be a great depth piece on the edge for your team, uh, for sure. I think Alex Wright can actually have an impact fairly soon because of his size um, that he already has. Uh, Next guy, Amari Barno out of Virginia Tech. Barno was... 
one of the guys to get highlighted at the NFL Combine because he, at six foot six, two forty five, he ran a four three six forty yard dash with a ten yard split of one five four. That's insane type of num- numbers. This is unheard of at his height and weight because that's a hundredth percentile speed score. Okay, the best ever. Okay, the fastest time by an edge rusher since two thousand three. Not only that, but the fastest time ever when it comes to percentile speed score weight accounted for his 40 yard dash okay 92nd percentile burst score as well he's another developmental edge rusher for the packers um but with this type of weight this type of speed this type of length he has the ability to be versatile but also i think he has the ability to be an elite edge rusher okay that type of speed we're talking about uh panthers edge rusher blanking on his name right now but just a total speed rusher type of guy and something unique he could add to our team as that wide nine tech edge rusher um and the sort of guy i would love to get in the building so and then finally my last tier is three guys late d3 picks nothing amazing about these guys by any means but they're guys i think might be worth just taking a shot at okay first is jeffrey gunner out of coastal carolina six foot four 260 super athletic freak number eight on bruce feldman's freak list uh, he ended up going in the combine, 39-inch vertical, 437 short shuttle, 30 bench press reps, strong, explosive, great change of direction, obviously. He was solid in coverage, according to PFF as well. Just a guy who is not being valued very highly because he played at Coastal Carolina, but and he's not technique-wise amazing, but a guy you develop for sure on your team. Next guy, Ali Fayad out of Western Michigan. Okay. He had a 90 pass rush grade in 2021, but that was in his fifth season at Western Michigan. So he kind of didn't show up till the end, but he went to the East. So a shine bowl, shine bowl. Okay. It's kind of like a mini senior bowl and was amazing. there. best pass rusher there all week for sure. Um, this is a guy who might not get drafted, but if he does not for sure, or if you have one of those seventh round picks and you're trying to figure out what to do with it, this is a guy you could secure uh, and have is just a developmental, another edge rusher just to take a chance on. Okay. You don't know about these guys for sure. It's always a lottery pick. And this is a guy I think shows enough that he's worth just taking a pull tab on. Okay. Last guy is Adam Anderson out of Georgia. Okay. Measuring in at six foot four, 237 pounds. He's very light. Okay. But he ran a 40 yard dash in the four fives, uh, recorded a 39 inch vertical, 133 inch broad jump. His broad jump would have been tied for the best among linebackers at the NFL Combine. His 40 time would have been among the top as well. The only issue about Anderson from keeping him from being a day two pick is he is actually being accused of rape currently. Uh, and I don't approve ever of treating women poorly whatsoever, but also there are times when men of fame can get a bullseye on their back because of their fame. I don't know enough details to know if this case is true or not, um, but he was a team captain before this georgia thought so highly of him uh but then obviously was let go from his football responsibilities after this case got out there and so if the packers do believe the case will be resolved or it was a wrongful accusation the team should draft him in the seventh round because he is uh this was an edge rusher type of guy in college could transition to a linebacker who would be really really good who you could bring in on obvious passing downs as he is a little undersized to be just a total speed rusher for your team. Um, But this guy has the athletic tools to develop into a really good linebacker as well, or just a third down edge rusher as a speed rusher, if he can gain some weight onto his frame as well. The other position today I want to talk about really quickly is the linebacker position. While many are fans of this linebacker class, there are truly only a few who really catch my attention. 
for the Packers as well, significantly, the linebacker position is not of very much value. It never has been, especially in the NFL draft. And we just signed Devondre Campbell to a five-year contract. We saw him be an elite linebacker in this defense. And the Packers ideally would only have about one linebacker on the field most of the time. So this position, while it can be valuable when we do have two guys on the field, it's not a liability if we don't find someone in this draft. So as I rate this draft class, there are some linebackers who are considered to be maybe better or higher or worth ranking. I don't think so. They're just not good enough to me to even consider drafting. Okay, um, guys in the round one, I'm not even. I wouldn't even consider them. The the devil, the Devin Lloyd's, the Nicobe Deans. Okay, those guys aren't even. I'm not even going to talk about them. My tier one of linebackers who I consider drafting are guys. Who, are, if available at the end of round two, I would I would consider drafting. And the first being Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin. So a next door neighbor to me growing up, just a couple miles down the road. This guy was five years younger than me, so he would have been a seventh grader. I would have been a senior in high school. He probably he would have had more of an impact on our football team than I did. Okay, he was that good at that young of age. Uh, he has been insane from day one of football, and we saw that with his grades. Chanel had a 94.1 run defense grade, second highest grade we have ever seen in college football, only behind Micah Parsons last year. And Micah Parsons was the defensive rookie of the year last year. And over the last two years, Span, he's the highest PFF grade graded linebacker in the power five. Okay. He's six foot three, 250, 31 inch arms. So the arms are a little short. His coverage grades in college weren't amazing, but he has the athleticism needed to be effective in coverage. 97th percentile speed score, 97th burst, 75th agility, 99th percentile bench. Chanel is an athletic freak, and he still is so young as he just turned 21 years old a few months back. Chanel will probably get drafted much higher than pick 53, or he should at least, but if he doesn't, it'll be hard not to draft him here in the second round. And the next guy I'll try, talk about uh, is Troy Anderson out of Montana State. Anderson really came out of my radar at the Senior Bowl. He played well there and then came to the combine and lit it up. 442 40-yard dash, 97th percentile for all linebackers, super fast. 75th percentile in vertical, 84th in broad, so good explosive numbers. And so Troy Anderson's story is that he played at Montana State, FCS-level competition, but he didn't get to play at all in the 2020 season due to COVID. But in 21. 2021, he had 80 plus PFF, PFF grade as a run defender, tackler, and in coverage. Overall PFF grade 86.3. This is a guy I'm checking out and getting on defense because not only did he play at a high level in college, he has the athleticism to back it up. And most importantly, Troy Anderson has only been playing linebacker in college one full season. His freshman year, he played running back. Sophomore year, he played QB. COVID was the junior year. Senior year, he played linebacker. He was amazing in his first year at linebacker, and the sky's the limit for this guy. Another guy, if available at pick 53 or pick 58, a guy I almost would have to take. And then finally, the last guy I will mention is Tariq Carpenter out of Georgia Tech. Not a great player by any means. This guy might go undrafted, Okay. But Carpenter was one of the Packers' top 30 visits, and this one stuck out to me in a big way because I had never heard of him before. But then I realized just how special this guy could be. Six foot two, 230 pounds. In college, he played safety, slot cornerback, linebacker, and he was a core special teamer in college. But he has the athleticism, athleticism to be special. At his pro day, he ran a 4.52 40-yard dash at 230 pounds. That's a speed score of over 110. Okay, there's wide receivers that aren't even running that fast on a pound-to-pound basis. That's insane type of speed, and he's proven in college he has been a consistently great tackler, which is so important to the linebacker position. Not to mention he has so much experience in coverage at safety at slot corner that 
once you move him to linebacker, I'm sure he'll thrive a lot better covering tight ends and running backs than he would receivers. Carpenter's um, speed score matches up with his explosiveness as well. He had 136-inch broad jump, which would have tied for the best jump at the combine. Much more explosive than Troy Anderson even, but Anderson is much faster. But the point is, if you can get a guy with similar athleticism four to five, six rounds later, that might be the best option, especially considering considering Carpenter was asked to mostly play safety slot cornerback in college, not linebacker. So the potential for him to develop as a linebacker is there. And the Packers did just invest a huge contract at linebacker in a defense that realistically only uses one linebacker a majority of the time. So maybe it wouldn't be the best use of resources to invest in a top tier linebacker in this class when you have one you trust already. But if there's a guy later in this draft, this would be that guy. Carpenter could add a coverage player you can trust to our defense, a core special teamer. Honestly, Carpenter might be a priority free agent for the Packers, but if they're worried he won't come or worried someone else is going to draft him, grab him in the seventh round and get him on your team. Now, in conclusion, the Packers do need to find two addresses in this draft. They could go out and sign a veteran like Melvin Ingram. I'm totally for that and then drafting just one guy and opening up more draft selections. It would be hard to pass up on George Karloftis if he's available at pick 22, but there are so many quality edge rushers in round two. I think the best use of resources would be grab would be to grab one of the, our two round two picks with one of those tier two players I mentioned and get another guy in the later rounds. I think a great combination to me that I would be really, really excited about would be Drake Jackson at pick 53 and Amari Barno in the fourth round. Then at linebacker, if Leo Chanel or Troy Anderson are available at pick 58, that would be a steal for the Packers. Uh, getting Drake Jackson to replace Preston Smith in two years is a total possibility, but Devondre Campbell will, at linebacker, will be on contract with the Packers for at least three seasons. So it's probably less likely the Packers would grab uh, Troy Anderson or Leo Chanel here, sadly, even though I think both have the potential to be elite linebackers in the NFL at the end of round two, which is insane value. Okay, and this is why it's really hard for me to pay top guys who have not proven themselves very long to this five-year-long contract when Devondre Campbell, he was elite last year. I hope he's elite again this year. I hope he found his niche in the NFL, in Green Bay, in this specific defense that uses him to the best of his ability. I hope that is true. But you could get a much more athletic player, a guy who guys who have shown really good promise here at the end of round two to be your starting linebacker for you know a couple million dollars a year instead of 10 million dollars a year and so the value isn't it's an eight million dollar difference okay and uh i think both these guys could play at the same level similar to Vondre campbell very very soon and so that's why it's hard but you don't usually have as much draft picks as the packers do right now because they have four draft picks in the top 58 picks that's not very often the packers have that so we have a luxury this year being able to grab four insanely valuable players and add them to our football team, which would have only happened because of the Devontae Adams trade. So because, though, we do have Devontae Campbell, I'm not expecting the Packers to make a move with the linebacker position, especially in this tier one group of guys I like, like Chanel or like Anderson. But look for the Packers to add Tariq Carpenter to the mix at linebacker. He'll be immediate boost to special teams. We're going to let him develop at the linebacker position because he does have the athleticism to be special at the position in today's NFL. 
So that's all I have today, folks. Make sure to stay tuned for more episodes of Packers Now. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, give me a review so I can hear you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers Now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Thanks, guys.